How should you structure your MSP service catalog in the age of cloud? We'll tackle that question on today's MSP Zone. You're entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. Welcome to the MSP Zone. Welcome back, if you're a frequent listener, where we talk about topics related to the managed services, cloud computing profession. We leave nothing off the table. Everything is fair game. And we bring you uh, honest, frank discussions that we hope you can take back to your managed services practice and, and put it to good use. Today is no exception. We are, have a fantastic uh, discussion in line for you guys. And we're gonna be tackling something that does not get a lot of attention. Uh, and that is service catalogs for MSPs. Not a lot of MSPs do this. Um, a few think they're doing it. Probably not a lot do it in the way that it ought to be done. But we're going to be talking about managed services catalogs and specifically how those service catalogs can and ought to be modified for entirely or at least hybrid cloud managed services offerings. Now, that's a lot. It sounds like a lot, but we're going to break it down. We're going to make it very easy for you guys. And as an added bonus, we have our friend Rob Scott joining us from the great state of Texas. Rob, welcome back to the MSP Zone. Good to be with you, Charlie. All right. So let, let's just paint the picture, right? Circa 2008, 2009, we had um, the, the beginning of, and it was a rapid death of the on-premise, what I'll call the, the bread and butter of most MSPs at that time and for the, for the last decade before, the, the small business exchange server that Microsoft um, had developed and were selling quite profitably all throughout the world. There was a piece of software that sat on a server and most MSPs would make a really good um, profitable business around selling it, configuring the hardware and the software that is, deploying it to a customer, and then managing it, managing the, the firewall, managing the security, managing the software itself, managing the backups, all those things related and, and circled and orbited the, the, the server and the small business exchange server software. Then the age of cloud hit us. And you started with things like BPOS, which was the precursor to Microsoft 365, you know, Google Apps, um, wasn't called Google Apps at the time, but um, you had all these things start to impact the MSP channel. Um, in, in your opinion, Rob, I mean, I'd like to start off first with the question of, do you think that a lot of MSPs know or have a good up-to-date functioning service catalog today? Well, look, I mean, I think of a service catalog as a menu of services. And so everybody has some menu that they're showing to customers, either in terms of proposals or marketing on websites. Uh, so, so yes, they have it. But the, the issue of the catalog is, is one where when you start to try to automate and put controls on customer contracting, that will enable scale and you know uh, put guardrails around 
you know, what kind of language can be included and put workflows in place to where they're getting approved by the right people, including potentially legal. Um, that's when you start to think about a formal catalog that could be loaded, for example, into a quoting tool that's connected to an RMM solution. So, you know, we're starting to put the SKUs that will be managed in the in the workflow and management system in at the time of proposal. And it's just a way to, to leverage in, in many instances what uh, many MSPs have already licensed but not utilized in terms of quoting and proposal tools that are uh, modules within platforms that they probably are already using. I mean, I, I recall, uh, uh, this is a long, at least 10 years ago or, or more. And I remember somebody saying basically, you know, we'll do whatever our customers need. And that used to be a really frequently uttered statement by MSPs, right? Well, do, it doesn't matter what, you know, what, what do you do as an MSP? Whatever the customer needs, whatever they want. And that told me, you don't have a menu. That, that's the functional equivalent of going to a restaurant and saying, where's the menu? And the, and the chef says, no, 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 you tell me what you want and I'll, and I'll make it for you. That's not a scalable business. Do you, do you think that that type of practicing MSP is still around today? It is, but it's a, it's a struggling and very much a dying model that is going to be dependent on you know the specific owner or tax that are there at the time. Uh, it's going to be one that won't be amenable to rapid growth. It's going to be one that is uh, performs on the low, lowest end of the profitability range. Uh, and so if I'm, you know, advising a business about how to structure its offerings, it's going to be the opposite of what you've just described. You know, bespoke custom IT solutions don't make um, repeatable managed services practices. It sounds good, but it, it's, it doesn't make the, the, the profit margin that MSPs want and expect. Correct. Think about it like this, Charlie. If, if a client came to me and said, Rob, I'm in the managed services business. I need contracts to cover, you know, six or eight different types of services that I offer to clients. And if I had to start over each time and develop a custom solution as opposed to starting with something that's going to be 80% of the way each time, I mean, there's no way I could deliver the services effectively. And it's the same way. How, how do I teach my staff? You know, if a client hires us to do customer contracts, I have staff that have done hundreds of customer contract projects. So, so we're going to get into the contract issue in just a moment. Now that we've defined kind of what a service catalog is, and and, and again, I, I think that there are there are varying degrees of maturity of how an MSP could use a service catalog, meaning varying degrees of how precise and specific that service catalog really is and how accountable it is from the point of contracting, sales contracting, and then through fulfillment and, and enforcement of, of that fulfillment of the service. My question to you, Rob, is in that era of 2008 to 2009 when we had the shift and cloud started to really become prominent, today there are, there are certainly born-in-the-cloud MSPs Right, that all they do is cloud-based infrastructure. Everything that they sell is cloud-based, SaaS-based, etc. And then you've got, 
I'm sure you probably have some 100% on-premise base, but they're probably not that common. And more likely, you're going to see the majority of MSPs who are hybrid. They're doing a little bit of on-premise, and they've got a little bit of cloud. In your opinion, how does the service catalog change? And knowing we're going to talk about the contract in a moment, how does the service catalog change, if at all, with the cloud service offerings being contemplated? Well, I think that you have to have, um, you know, and we used to have gold, silver, and platinum. And now I think we've got on-prem, cloud, and hybrid. And if we think about managed services in those ways, we can develop service descriptions that cover, you know, each category with, as I say, as you say, the vast majority are, are in the hybrid. And if you think about it, probably... 20% of MSP's workload in total today is in the cloud. That means there's 80% of runway left to, to complete this migration now, 12, uh, 13 years later than the time frame you're talking about for email, mm-hmm. um, to a, a cloud delivery model for the vast majority of IT. And, and but but the the way that it needs to change is that the services being provided are fundamentally different. So I, I want so let's dive into that and 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 explore. Let's take servers, right? If an MSP today can deliver a a, a one you uh, you know any type of server on premise, co located within a local data center, and then they can sell it on on Azure or AWS or pick your cloud environment. Your 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 contention is that service catalog should adequately describe the real differences, not just in price, but the real differences in what would go into managing the server in the cloud versus the on-premise. And they should really be different variations of the same product. That's right, because most of what we would call traditional on-prem core managed services in the example that you provide will be performed by Microsoft. So the cloud provider uh, picks up a handful of the base. I'm going to call it all the, the, the grunt work, but it, but a lot of it is the kind of ping power pipe, you know, the, the fundamentals we would call it of, of, of managing a, a server device, a server object um, that goes away and therefore, but you don't price it cheaper necessarily because there's different threats uh, that take place, correct? Well, the pricing is not necessarily cheaper. And there is some pricing risk for MSPs when it comes to, for example, Azure, which is a, is a utility-based or consumption-based spend model. And so, for example, when we had an on-prem server, we knew what the cost was going to be. With Azure, we don't know what the cost is going to be. And one of the services that that the MSP is going to have to provide is optimization of spend. They have, you know, reports within the, within the tool that MSPs are going to have to monitor and it'll identify areas where you can consolidate and optimize spend. And it'll be my guess, the MSP's responsibility to report on that and and implement the things that the customer says they want to reduce the spend. So again, it's more of almost like a vendor management responsibility more so than, you like you said, you're not going to be responsible for that uptime and availability. 
but you're going to have other responsibilities related to those servers. And it's just going to be different services than what you were providing before. So the cloud, the cloud server on Azure still needs to be backed up. It still needs to be protected outside of and beyond the things that Microsoft is already doing. Um, there's still things that the MSP needs to contemplate and those have to be articulated in that service catalog. That, that's really what we're, we're saying. Yes, and I think there's two categories of service types. One is uh, administering and managing the uh, the cloud infrastructure, you know, using the tools provided by the 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 cloud provider, such as Azure. So I'm talking about like um, uh, management of Defender. If the customer is going to be using any of the Defender uh, security. You know, admin, you know, it's a, it's going to be a managed security service to administer the Defender for clients that are in Azure that are using Defender. Right. Um, and, and, and there's the second category of third-party security solutions that are in addition to what will be resident in that cloud provider solution, such as if you've got, you know, uh, reporting, uh, uh, cloud reporting or you know there are tools now that provide a consolidated pane of glass for all um cloud environments and uh, msps are and will continue to be providing reporting services regarding you know access to and security logs related to cloud infrastructure so the services are changing uh the market you know my clients are telling me prices don't need to go down um, be, because while there is an expectation that, you know, the hardware piece is going away, the customer recognizes that someone is providing the hardware and there's a cost there and that there are increased risks. And so more money needs to be invested in security. Yeah. The, uh, the hardware didn't go away. It just got transferred from a, a an op, a capital expense for the, for the customer, uh, to an opera, uh, operational expense as a, as a service deliverable. Right. So, so theoretically your pricing could be as much as your client's former capital cost plus the traditional managed services. Mm-hmm. And if you can make it lower than that and, or, uh, keep it in that line and demonstrate why the increased efficiency, availability, security, et cetera, is worth it, then, you know, pricing should not be an option. I would tell you my sense of the market and the feedback I'm getting from my clients is that this is not a commoditized aspect of the market. You talked about email. You know, that's you now we're 13 years later from that revolution that you described in some ways, uh, email hosting of email has become a very price sensitive type of service. Um, uh, managing people's uh, virtual environments in the cloud and offering virtual desktop services and other cloud-based managed services, in my impression is, is not a commoditized or heavily price sensitive area of the business right now. It's gonna be uh, suitable for certain businesses that, that you know, want to do business a certain way. And for many of them, they're going to see the value in it, even if it costs more than what they were paying before. So Rob, what I'm hearing is that that cloud has not damaged the professional polish that has 
so long accompanied the managed services profession, even with commoditized things such as Office 365, which you know you can find that pricing guideline freely available on the web, right? Same with Google. But it, but you're saying it's not really, it's not at all hampered or harmed the the, the pricing upside that MSPs can add on in terms of the additional value and work that they have to do. Did I get that right? A hundred percent because, because really what's changed in my opinion is MSPs used to have to be good at hosting mailboxes. Now they have to be good at managing diverse networks and various security threats and people accessing the network from non-traditional remote endpoints. Um, and, being a trusted advisor regarding IT has never been more valuable than it could be right now. And so those people uh, that are MSPs that, you know, uh, care about their customers and are there to offer, you know, solutions for their customers are going to are in very high demand. You know, the vast majority of my clients that are in managed services are reporting that they had up years and in some instances the best years ever during the pandemic. And that momentum is strong, and the only uh, impediment to growth is human resources. Right. Well, I mean, I agree, and we should probably do a whole a whole episode just on the human element of managed services in the future of the profession. But I think that the service catalog issue is a uh, undeniably indispensable element to scalability. And that's my next question, which is I want to bring in the legal element of this, which is the service catalog is important for being able to price effectively, being able to hold the service department accountable for the things that they ought to be delivering and only those things they ought to be delivering. But it has to have a close correlation to the to the, to the service agreement, the actual contract that the sales um, and marketing teams are, are sending out to customers. Explain how those two correlate, a service catalog to service agreement. So at the highest level of maturity, the service catalog descriptions become the operative descriptions for the customer contracts driven directly from the orders or the quotes that are signed. And stated another way, if your service catalog is mature enough to where it contains, you know, appropriate descriptions of the services that you're offering, we can take those directly from a quote, add some language to a quote that then incorporates the rest of the agreements by reference, and we can store those agreements on the web, and we can have the quote or the proposal signed via a DocuSign or another electronic means, and by virtue of that, create a, a way that we've collapsed the sales process and the contracting process into one step, and at the same time loaded the SKUs that were going to be necessary to manage within the, the system go directly into the system as that project, as that, that contract is set up to be managed. And so uh, that's where that maturity level can make a big difference because then what my contracts will say on the web is as defined in your order, when it talks about the services to be offered, it's going to be the services contained in the order. And that way the customer contract itself doesn't need to be changed with the specifics of each order. 
the customer contracts will call to the order to identify the services that are included and the pricing. And then the terms that are on the web are incorporated by reference into the document that the customer signs at the at the time that the business terms are agreed to. And for the vast majority of cases, that will be the end of the contracting process. If the customer, if the customer wants to negotiate on specific items, then, you know, that would be taken as a separate, you know, uh, path that would require, you know, owner review, potentially legal review, et cetera. Yeah. I, I'm going to ask you a sales question and, and I'm, I'm making an assumption here, which is that you might actually get a glimpse into the sales process of some of these MSPs who are your clients because of the, the contractual work you're doing. And, and the question is this, D- does, does an MSP, does the MSP we talked about earlier in the show, you know, the, the one that says I'll do anything for my customer, whatever they want, that's what I'll do as a man of service. D- does that customer, they, they must have a far more difficult sales and contracting process than the MSP who has a highly articulated service catalog, which then gets incorporated easily, as you just said, into the service agreements. It's got to have a remarkable difference on their ability to, to contract and sign revenue. Uh, am, I, am I wrong on that? Or? 100%. It's a hundred percent. It's like, how long does it take to order food at McDonald's versus a, a Greek diner? I mean, you know, you got, <laughs> it's, our, it's our menu. It's simple, right? It's, you know, and the, the other thing that is challenging with this, you know, with, with taking these one-off projects, you know, you got a client, they're a mid-sized client. They've got their own IT department. They want multi-factor authentication. Or they want security awareness training. Or they want uh, managed firewall. But they're not going to buy a stack. They're just going to buy a, a, a select item. Mm-hmm. My, my opinion on that is if you have to take that work, take it. It's like I would have told people you know, 15 years ago, if you have to sell hardware, sell it. But I'm trying to get you out of that business. And it turned out to be good advice, right? Uh, in the same way, you know, I'm telling clients now for these one-offs, you know, if it's profitable and you think it's okay, take it, but don't incentivize your salespeople to chase that. Don't pay commissions on that type of work. Well, reselling software is no f- functional difference between the the VAR selling hardware and expecting to become a great top-notch MSP because the sales engine is going to keep moving towards those things that they can move. And, and that's easier to to move hardware and software than it is to to move a managed services customer. Um, but but what you're saying is is almost democratizing the managed services offering into a way that anyone could buy it. Anyone should be able to buy it. The, the point is this: you know, once you decide that you're going to go in the cloud, <laughs> right? You need a quarterback to manage your various cloud providers yeah. and to make sure they're safe. And so that to me is the role of the MSP. The role of the MSP is to help people at this point realize the benefits of cloud. And I think shortly it's going to be to help people realize the benefits of artificial intelligence. But 
but but but because of that this is that's not a commodity skill that's a very that's a very uh important business and technical skill to have no because- very much so yeah i agree so, so rob i want to i want to ask you one final question um in your in your work with msps the the contractual side of this, when you're asking them for a service catalog, how 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 many of those MSPs, on, on average, let's say, um, have a really top notch? They're ready to go. It, it, it's it's perfectly suitable for the contractual work that you need uh, to do. Versus how many of them, you know, need a little bit of polishing? You, you tell them, hey, go back. We need more details here. Like, can you give us a sense of where where that falls out? Yeah, I, I think the vast majority uh, are in a position that you've described where they've got some, you know, service catalogs. But for example, it may just say managed services monthly device based, ten dollars a device. Very it generic, in other words. Very, very generic. Not enough to drive the contracting platform in the manner that I described. In other words, the service descriptions that would be contained in the proposal that is derived from the service catalog would be inadequate to uh, serve as the complete service descriptions. Uh, and for that reason, we provide samples. You know, when our clients hire us and we deliver the draft of the documents, if they don't have, you know, what, you know, solid descriptions that they're happy with that we can review, we just include, you know, a laundry list of descriptions and they could pick and choose and edit and add and et cetera. But so uh, I would say it, it, it's, it's fairly uncommon, but, but interestingly, the, the MSPs that are more successful, more mature, been around longer, more profitable, they're the ones that have it because they recognize the things that you and I have been dis- you know, discussing on the call scalability, uniformity, managing risk, making it easy to understand at any time exactly what we owe these people and what they agreed to and what they're paying for and not. You know, all of those issues as you get to be larger than a, you know, a few man shop become, you know, critically important to business owners and affect service delivery and profitability. Well, I I can't just this popped in my head just now as you were talking, Rob. I, I can't help but think that the the legacy problems that MSPs have had with sales, just the sales side of of taking certainly the VAR salesperson and converting them into a managed services salesperson, which I think is a I think it's a lost cause. I mean, if it happens successfully, it happens rarely. It's not the it's not the norm. But I think if you want to create a first class, highly efficient and and goal-driven managed services sales team, I don't see how they do that without what you just described, that service catalog and a great, efficiently uh, documented service agreement system. Like I, I just don't see how they get it there. Yeah, it's got to be a tight process, and, and, and it includes a lot of sales you know, activity tracking and, and numbers like that. You know, The best MSPs have very specific, you know, quotas for number of calls and contacts, number of appointments and expected conversion rates for salespeople. And it requires that type of rigor. I mean, you you just can't, you know, take anyone off the street and turn them into a productive salesperson and manage services or really in anything. 
else, you know? Good point. Um, and, and so uh, it, it remains a challenge. For, for many MSPs, though, it's really changing the way they operate. For, for most MSPs, I would say a principal or partner or family member is engaged in the selling. And, you know, that's where we could start. You know, the people that are in control of how they're approaching it, how they're selling things, how they're, you know, packaging their story, that's the low-hanging fruit because there's still a lot of owners out there that are, you know, telling a different story, you know, telling a, a similar story to, you know, what was being told before. And what we're learning is that cloud-based offerings and managed services are in high demand. They're very scalable and they're very profitable. They come with a degree of risk. And, and there are things that need to be addressed there because you, you, you know, you're bringing together lots of third parties, all of which now have access to confidential and regulated data. And it's very risky from a privacy and security perspective. Um, but it's, it's the future. And we still have a long runway. I mean, we've got all the evidence that this is the direction. And we still got 80% of the workload to move. So this is a huge opportunity for managed service providers in the next three to five years to to really help their clients on that remaining 80% of the workload to, to, to move it there. Because I don't think anybody can really credibly argue that we're going to be at a much higher percent than 20 in three years. Well, I think overall pretty positive um pretty positive outcomes that I would take uh, if I were listening to this and say, all right, get your service catalog updated, number one. Number two, get your service catalog incorporated tightly into your service agreements. Do the things that Rob is suggesting, you know, including putting your, your, your master service agreements online, right, for easy reference, easy click by reference incorporation, and start really driving your sales team according to that service catalog. And not only will you have a much tighter process, but, you know, Rob, I think you're spot on. This is not, a, by any stretch, a commoditized part of managed services. And it won't be for, for quite some time. There's still a lot of really profitable work to be done. And I would take a lot of comfort from, from those words. So I very much appreciate you guys, uh, you know, everything you guys do at Scott & Scott. But, but I, I think this is really good advice for any MSP. All right, that's it. Rob, thanks again for joining us on MSP Zone. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate it. And to the rest of you, be safe, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you will get notified when future episodes are released. We will see you next time in the MSP Zone.